Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. I'm your host, Angel Leon, Mosher's Director of Personnel. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Season 4 of Ask Anything. And today we brought back our Application Services Division Vice President, Matt Bennett. We're going to be talking about progressive web apps. What is that, you ask? Yeah, I asked myself that question as well, because I don't know. But Matt is here to answer that and much more today on Ask Anything. Matt, thanks for joining us again on Ask Anything this season, twice in one season. That's a, that's a pretty bold statement for application services, I, I might add. So thanks again for being with us. How are you? Yeah, sure thing. Happy to be here. I'm doing well, Angel. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Really looking forward to this topic because I think I have an idea about what it is but I really don't. So that's why we're bringing you on. <laughs> As I was doing a little bit of reading before this, some things caught my eye. And, and I just want to start by asking, what is a progressive web app? Sure. And it's, it's a good question. I mean, really, a, a progressive web app really isn't a thing, like a, a specific thing as much as it is a concept. It's a, a set of patterns and tools for building web applications. You know, it uses standard web tech, but with those techniques, it can make it behave more like a native application, whether that's a desktop experience with a PC or a laptop or a mobile application on, you know, iPhone or Android, or can I say Windows phone? I don't think I can say Windows phone anymore. I think that's mm, officially no. dead, but let's yeah. go with iOS and Android. Yes. <laughs> so how do you develop a progressive web app? Really, it's any kind of modern web development tool set. Uh, a lot of things that use JavaScript, you know, for the front end. Examples of that could be, you know, Ionic, React, Angular, Vue.js. And then there's a bunch of other similar platforms out there. And then you have tools. Google has a couple tools. One's called Polymer, and that kind of helps accelerate development. It gives you some templates and some structure to get started quickly. They have another project called Lighthouse, which is kind of a cool web tool, not just for PWAs, but for development in general that can kind of help with performance and accessibility, you know, PWA readiness and, and some other measures of quality for your, your web application. There's also some services out there that'll let you, um, you know, kind of in a SaaS model, build out a PWA. Kind of the cool thing there is, you know, kind of rapid delivery and, and you've got an app built really quickly, but the trade-off there is your customization, you know, your, your flexibility is limited to what that SaaS platform provides and you're kind of locked into that and their, you know, kind of roadmap and, and the features they're going to build out within the platform. You mentioned a lot of stuff and I wanted to ask very hard about some notable PWS, but we're going to leave that for last because then we're going to get talking. But what are the advantages of a progressive web app? So some of the advantages, one is, you know, it mimics the behavior and the functionality of a native application, but it still takes advantage of some of the features of a web app. You know, it's quicker and easier to visit a website than it is to go to an app store and search for an application, download and install it. Feature-wise, you can get very similar functionality between the two. Another cool thing with PWAs, you know, kind of on that app store topic, you can put it in an app store and distribute it that way, but you can also just distribute it and update it independently of the app store straight from that URL, straight from your website. You know, if you've ever gone to a website and it kind of has a pop-up and says, hey, add this to your home screen, or would you like to install the site? That's a good indicator that you're probably utilizing a PWA right then. I was going to say real quick because, and, and I don't mean to get two in the weeds here, but like the application that my HOA uses is just exactly what you described. 
it's basically we go to a URL, we add to our phone home screen, it creates an icon that goes directly into that app that's technically still the website that we are visiting because it, it is pretty much a live version of what the website would be from my Mac's browser. Yeah, exactly. And behind the scenes, what that app's doing is it's caching a certain amount of that site and that application to your phone directly. And then there's a, I don't want to get too too deep into the, the technicality <laughs> of it, but there's a concept of a service worker that runs behind the scenes that then kind of manages when you click on that icon and that experience loads up on your phone, it will manage what gets pulled from the cache, how often it tries to go back to the server to update content, to give you the latest version, um, and kind of provide that offline experience uh, so that app behaves similarly, right, whether or not you're connected to the network and you're utilizing, uh, you know, data straight from the server or data that's cached on your phone. Interesting. Yeah. And it's so interesting the way those things are developed because it's basically like you mentioned, it's the same thing. It's just pulling data as it needs from the network. So what are some of the drawbacks of progressive web apps? You know, a few of the caveats there. One is, you know, the desktop browser support isn't as comprehensive, I think, as a lot of folks would like it to see. Notable examples of that. So Firefox is one where they, you know, Mozilla announced that they would support uh, PWAs on their mobile version of their browser, but they have discontinued support for desktop. On iOS, Safari support's been a little bit spotty as far as the, the set of PWA features that they allow compared to other browsers. You know, so you still can do PWAs on uh, Mac and on iOS, just it makes it a little more challenging to deliver that consistent experience across the different OS's, different devices. Another kind of maybe caveat or or situation where a PWA might not be the best choice would be a mobile experience uh, that's you know graphics intensive or, or really reliant on super high performance things like games or or really heavy processing data apps. You know, another thing to think about with a PWA is it, it does allow you to access additional phone functionality, you know, things like push notifications and geolocation and some of the, the cool things that your, your phone or your device can do, but it doesn't go as deep as a native application would. So there's still kind of low level hardware and OS things that you can get when you build a native mobile app that you don't get with a PWA. And then two, I kind of just say in general, you know, when you're considering building a PWA, think about your users. You know, do they have a really awesome, consistent network connection that you can control? Do they have modern, high-powered devices? You know, how and, and where are they going to use your content? You know, could a native app help them perform their job better, right? So there are, there are situations where a native app makes more sense and that a PWA may not be a great fit. You know, it's not the perfect replacement for a native app in, in every situation, uh, but it is a compelling choice in the ones that it that it does align to. As a developer, and I, I may be getting too deep into this, but you mentioned native apps, what we're talking about, PWAs. What's your cup of tea? Let's just start there. My cup of tea, can I just say everything? I enjoy, yes. <laughs> I enjoy all of them. I think a really high performance, you know, very tailored, dedicated native application. They're a ton of fun to work on. You can really get down and get picky about performance and about creating the exact experience you want on a device. But there is an investment in time and 
learning the tools and, and the techniques, right? Because each uh, device, each OS is going to have its own SDK. You know, Apple has Objective-C and Swift that you're going to do your development. And so you have to learn those tools, learn that language. Android has Java and Kotlin. So you have to download those tools and understand those languages. There are some platforms out there like React Native, you know, Ionic has that functionality. Microsoft has Xamarin. There's some tools that kind of bridge that PWA and native app and kind of give you a little more of the hardware functionality, but still letting you kind of do a, a singular UI, like write the code once and it runs everywhere. And that really, as you start bridging over to PWAs, that's where the real power comes in. Because with a progressive web app, you know, after the word progressive, it's web app. You're writing a web app. You're using JavaScript, HTML, CSS. It runs on a server. You're just adding a few extra things to that site to provide and create that offline experience. So as far as accessibility as a developer to being able to learn that skill set and quickly deliver mobile apps, PWAs are definitely, you know, faster for sure to pick up. And, and you mentioned earlier something about with PWAs, you you sort of lose some of that. So that scrutiny of maybe being a little bit more detail oriented, maybe having a little bit more customization. What can you tell us about that? So what are those things that you lose when you're developing a PWA? Really, it's, I, I believe, and I need to go brush up on some of this stuff. You're starting to get into the fringes of my knowledge here. But I think some of the like making phone calls and accessing some of the hardware pieces within the device itself, right? I will say an exception is Bluetooth. You can do Bluetooth with a PWA, but some of the other radio functionality and things like that aren't there. Because really what it comes down to is the majority of the application, right? It's still a cached web app. So it still relies on the browser of the device to run. So browsers only have limited access into the hardware capabilities, right? Because it's a security thing. If your browser had full control of your phone, it would make it easier for a malicious attack or whatever against your, your device. A PWA does allow a little more access to you know local storage and, and things like that, but it still restricts the application from having as much access to the, the hardware itself as a native app would. Interesting, interesting. So now we get to the nitty gritty. What are some of the notable PWAs out there? Sure. So some of the ones you've maybe interacted with, and I'll, I'll share a few here, and then I've got a few. I kind of have some, some stats to share. Starbucks has really invested heavily in their PWA. Uh, Twitter has an application called Twitter Lite. And there's some cool metrics out there too, just about the, the file size and responsiveness improvements they were able to make. You know, if you go look in the app store, reviews on that app are a little bit mixed because of some of the design decisions they made to provide a super fast UI. It also is maybe not as complete of an experience upfront. So I think that one's a really interesting study into PWAs and, and what they could do. You know, BMW has in, invested heavily. Uh, Adidas has a pretty cool PWA. Pinterest is one I, I kind of want to dive into a little bit. When they first released their mobile application, they converted 1% of their users that were using it on a browser on a desktop. And after switching to the PWA in the first year that was live, they got an 84% sign up. So from 1% wow. conversion to 84%. That led to a 44% increase in user-generated ad revenue and a 370% increase in people logging into their accounts. So I think a pretty cool success story for a PWA. And that 
And that is very interesting because, I mean, you, when you think of Pinterest, the first thing that you think about is, well, most people access it through their phones. They're, they're going stores or going places with their mobile device, and they're basically going to Pinterest to get those ideas that they might have watched while they were just lounging on a chair on a Saturday afternoon. So, well, wake up Sunday, and now I'm going to go XYZ store and try to pick up what I saw on Pinterest. Yep, for sure. And when they're doing that, they're using a PWA now. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Another notable example is Spotify. So Spotify launched their PWA in 2019, both a mobile and a desktop application. And since that launch in 2019, in that first year, they went from converting 26.6% of their users from free to paid subscriptions to 46%. And as of 2021, that number is now at 58%. So they've gone from converting about a quarter of their users from free to paid to almost 60%. Um, what do you think that is? What What's the hook on a PWA versus what they were using before? I think some of the benefits of PWAs around optimization and performance and responsiveness uh, lead to user engagement and satisfaction. If your application loads fast and has you interacting with it within a second or two instead of 10 or 15 seconds, people are going to stick around. And that's one of those, you know, kind of core benefits or checklist items when you're creating a PWA. You want a fast, responsive experience for your users because you want to retain them. You want to convert them. You want to keep them on your site and, and in your experience. Yeah, we talked a little bit about user interface in your first appearance on Ask Anything and user experience and how that basically is a very natural progression. If people like what you're putting out, they're going to keep going back like you just said. Yep. And if they like it, you know, some people will stick around for maybe a poor experience because the, the content that they're getting at the end of that experience is what they want, right? And they stick around because they have a desire for that, right? And, you know, Spotify and music is probably a great example of that, right? This UI may stink, but I know if I'm able to figure it out, I'm going to get to listen to the song that I want to. But if they go from that to, hey, this thing's slick, it gives me my search results really fast, I click play and the song starts instantly, then that frustration is gone and people are just happy they're using your app and when they choose later to come back and listen to music, they're going to use that app that they had a good experience with. And Spotify too, I mean, to kind of finish out the the data there, you know, I think they saw that, you know, they saw a 30% increase in monthly active users. They saw a 45% increase in people who are using Spotify on their desktop computers. And then they also saw the average listening hours per month go up by 40%. People are accessing their application in more ways for more types of devices and for longer, also under paid subscriptions. So it's kind of a, a success story from top to bottom for them. The other one I think is really cool. I'll throw out one more as um, kind of a final example, and that's Uber. Uber has made an investment in a PWA that both powers their desktop and their mobile experiences. And you know, current stats there, 30% of their users reserve cars exclusively with the PWA and not with native mobile applications. The vendor bundle from the native app to the PWA, so the file size of the application, dropped from 270 kilobytes to 17 kilobytes. And both of those numbers really aren't gigantic, but when you think about you know, an app like Uber that's worldwide, I was gonna say nationwide, it's worldwide. And mm -hmm. 
there's a wide variety of devices out there, but there's also a wide variety of wireless networks and signal quality in different locations and things like that. That sort of improvement in file size gives your users with a slow mobile data package or a poor connection a better experience. And that new PWA for Uber on a 2G cellular network, right? We're up to five now. So think way back, 2G cellular network, that application still loads in less than three seconds, which is impressive. Shout out to the late 2000s. Um, That's right. <laughs> and by the way, this is not paid advertising. None of these companies have paid us to talk about this data. But that is correct. I, it's, it's interesting what you mentioned about Uber because 30%. While that might not be a, a huge number, like you mentioned, it is a significant chunk of the user base of Uber. I mean, just think of it. And like you mentioned, this is a worldwide application. I mean, when I lived overseas twice, I used Uber and I use both. I, I mean, I use both the native app and the web app. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. It is. It was faster to use the web app back then, especially in the early to mid 2010s, because where I was, the cellular capability were different than what we have here in the U.S. So with that, we'd like to thank Matt Bennett again for being with us. Uh, Matt, I want to ask before we go, how does Mosher work with all of this? Because obviously we have a full services application uh, services division, for lack of a better term, and Matt is the leader of that. So how does PWAs factor into Mosher's offerings? I would just say it's it's one of the many types of experiences and applications that we deliver. You know, one of the cool things about how we structure is, you know, we kind of focus on our end users. We focus on the problems they're trying to solve. We work with them to solve the people problems. And then we come up with the best way to apply technology to it, right? Whether that's a enterprise web application, whether that's a progressive web app, whether that's a native mobile app, or it's a cross-platform app that we've built in a tool, you know, I mentioned before, like Xamarin or React Native or Ionic. It's, it's just another one of those capabilities that we have to make sure that we're delivering the right solutions at the right time for our customers and our users. Outstanding. Only the way Mosher can do it. Again, Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening in to this week's edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. We hope you enjoy listening to our very own VP of Application Services, Matt Bennett, talk about progressive web apps. Join us next time when we continue to dive deeper with our resident experts and what they're currently working on. If you have an idea or a topic you'd like us to explore, reach out to us through our social media feeds. In the meantime, please remember to give us a rating and subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, go ahead. Try some progressive web apps. So long, everybody. Go.